Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Rev Covering. Uh, we are very excited to share with you another tale from the Rev Covering room. Uh, this week we have Kyle on the show and it's it's a great conversation. Um, and it's a conversation from a little bit different angle because uh, it's from more of the tech side of the pastoral or the ministry or volunteer or whatever you want to say, um, part of the equation. And it's it's so great to see into that world and into the ways in which um, faith and talent um, gets used and gets moved around and 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 changes in that space. Um, it's a good one. It's a, I very I love this uh, conversation. Um, we would love for you if you could to stick around. At, to the end for the poem. If you want to have more conversations about this, uh, please check out Revcovery at um, patreon.com slash Revcovery. You can check out our Discord and things like that to keep the conversation going. Uh, and so without further ado, we are going to give us uh, this great conversation. And uh, yeah, we'll see you at the end for the poem. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Recovery, a podcast about transitioning in ministry, being in ministry, I don't know, leaving ministry, transitioning out of job. You know, there's all kinds of things that people transition in and out of. And this podcast is about that, the recovery of that. And so um, I'm one of your hosts, Sarah Heath, and this is... Justin Gentry. I am here. <laughs> on, I'm on it this time. You're there. You did right. it. So, you know, I wonder if the delay on your end is actually just like the internet delay, and I'm not delaying at all. I'm just saying it quickly, and you're just experiencing it as delay. Mm-hmm. It could totally be that. Whole time. That's probably it, what it it's is happening. It's definitely that. It is for sure that. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, <laughs> now that we've covered that, I'm so excited because we are uh, <laughs> we get to talk to my IRL friend, who we haven't seen each other way too long, but. Uh, Kyle Harbour, who is uh, many years in production, so getting to like literally behind the scenes of church stuff. And so I'm so excited for you guys to meet him and I'll let him introduce himself a little bit more. But um, Kyle, you know the gang, you know the deal. Uh, the question really is, how long were you in and what in what capacity did you serve and what were you serving for? 
Yeah, um, I think I was in for about 17 years. I started when I was around 15 and out around 30-something. Capacity, I've been in all forms of production. I was TD, I was a lighting director, I was assistant production director. Uh, at, at Just so churches. you know, all mainline pastors right now are like, they had a production manager? Yes, friends. <laughs> yeah, I had the weird option uh, uh, experience of growing up in mega churches. So I think the smallest congregation I ever attended and was actually working at a church on was 2000. And that was a satellite campus. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So you grew up, sorry, and I did not mean to interrupt you, but oh, yeah, so you've done, you've done uh, production management, you did lighting, you did sound stuff as well. Yes. I would uh, mix every now and then at some of the places. I, that's the thing I don't like the most, but mainly film and lighting and stuff like that, but also a ton of working with volunteers. My whole life was working with volunteers and training people. So. Right. And so how, so you were about 17 years and if you don't mind like sharing a little bit, like what did you grow up in the church? How did you end up doing on the production side of it? Were you just the kid that was super like handy? Like, cause a lot of churches is like, wait, that one knows how to use the internet. Let them do the slides. No one yeah. else. Is that- yeah. I, I've seen that time and time again, that happens all over the place. But so for me, uh, I grew up in the church my parents attended a church. Calvary Chapel actually is one that we started out in um, and my dad, I think, sang in the in the church. And then uh, around that time, crazy stuff happened. My parents divorced. My mom came out. And because of that, and also stuff going on in the Calvary Chapel Church, our, my dad decided to go to a different church in the same city. And this was a big up-and-coming church. They had like six services at the time on, on the weekend. It was insane. And my dad would sing in the worship team. Uh, so what I did is I was sitting be in the green room for six services absolutely bored out of my mind didn't want to go to my six service services. yeah it was insane <laughs> yeah so you know you know like a, 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 I don't know what was i like 10 or 11 or something like that at the time i was in sixth grade i'm sitting there for six services bored out of my mind and i remember seeing some kids hop up on the stage and mess around with the drum kit while everyone else should be in the little prayer circles i'm like i want to be that. that that looks fun this that's more more fun than what i'm doing sitting here this is boring so I kind of convinced all the people uh, to get let me to be on the production team. And they were scared out of their minds. They're like, we've never had a six-year-old do this. Can he handle it? Can he be uh, focused enough and all this kind of stuff? And I kind of blew them out of the water. And ever since then, I kind of set the standard for them allowing sixth graders to join the production team. <laughs> <laughs> sixth grade is so young. And Very you skip so. past the, like a big part of your story, but like your mom came out when you were that age, like. Wow. Yeah, that was a huge part of the story. So, yeah. How did the Calvary Chapel handle that one? I think that's why we left. I think that's part of it. Uh, I remember as a kid growing up, I had a really close friend. And I'm learning, looking back later, I realized my mom was friends with like the head or the second person in uh, leadership, pastors. So we would go to the house all the time and we'd have friends and and hang out and have fun. Uh, And then after that happened, it's like, poof, they're gone. I never saw them again. And I'm like, "Hmm, that's weird. Okay. So like I've kind of mm-hmm. had a cycle of watching friends and then them leaving us because my mom came out. So that was kind of a big thing of like not looking at it until 10 years later, realizing that was because that's how people in the 90s dealt with people who came out or were gay. They felt the best thing was to leave and separate and stay far away as possible so they don't infiltrate or whatever you want to call it. Well, it does taint. spread. It is contagious. <laughs> it, I don't know is, if you guys yeah, knew that. Yeah, <laughs> It's, I'm tragically straight because I've not been around enough gay people. Same yeah, with Sarah. That's... You've just not been around enough gay people. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's, that's yeah. why you have to yeah. yeah. 
So that must have been super hard, just having that experience of like, okay, learning that there is like definitely things that whether or not you knew it, you knew you you were learning there's ins and outs, right? Oh, yeah. And that was a big part of, I think, my church story. Like, I didn't realize a lot of this stuff at the very beginning. I was just doing motions and going through and, you know, I'm like, all right, cool. We're just, like, I found something that was exciting for me. I think I played soccer around the same time. And so I think I stopped playing soccer and started doing production because it was something that was exciting for me. But that kind of started, I think, my relationship with the church and I, I think because my family fell apart, I was really in, in, interested in looking at other families and how their dynamics worked. And these pastors that were perfect, like I would like be close to them and kind of like see, is there a perfect family? And so like I was always mm. friends with certain pastors' families. And I think after years of doing that, I realized, oh, they're just like everyone else. But it took a while oh, to yeah. figure that out. <laughs> so <laughs> It may be even worse family-wise yeah. and structure-wise. Well, that's, I, I think that's interesting too. Uh, many stories that we heard. Um, are and in Justin's story in some ways too and Justin please feel free to chime in but like my family fell apart and I found another family right like my I I found belonging and meaning in a community and that is the beautiful side of it sometimes Mm -hmm. right yeah and then in big churches it's finding a niche so your niche was like the what do they call them gosh the tech what are the kids called? Are they called the tech crew? I can't remember. Yeah, tech. Like that's that, that's the. the so I was so funny because I was like, I hate being called a tech because it's like has a certain connotation of your like old curmudgeon who has long hair and doesn't take care of themselves and hates everyone. And I'm like, don't call me. So tech. it's either that's a more brewer the, that's or more a the tech. sound guy. Yeah, yes. like the that's sound yes. guy is the guy that's angry. And God, I can back picture there him pulling his hair out. He's wearing cargo shorts. Yeah. am I wrong? No, not at all. And and he's probably like listening to in some... the wintertime. Yes, yeah, in the Midwest <laughs> and flip flops <laughs> and flip flops. Yeah. God, we all know him. Wow. Yeah. So like, yeah. I, I hated that term. So I was always like, please call him. like we we actually me and some of the other volunteers we actually started a new name. We're like, please call us the production team because it sounds more astute. It sounds more you know like respectable in a certain way. So like, there's a whole lot of that kind of stuff, but. Yeah. Well, and you were coming in kind of as like the mega church thing was becoming such a thing. Yes. And like we need to have excellence. I remember just like the 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 word was excellence. I could go to all these like church conference things. It was always like make sure you have excellence. And meanwhile, I'm like, I have an effing bell choir. <laughs> Explain to me how I'm going to bring mm-hmm. excellence. <laughs> we're we're making a joyful noise. Like. <laughs> Like literally there are rules in the United Methodist hymnal about how to like, if you're not good, that's okay. Just do it joyfully. <laughs> like just nice. go for it. Like, mm-hmm. And uh, everyone else is like, this is how, you know, and I remember like honestly feeling a little bit of like, man, why don't I have a production crew? And like, sometimes I would try to run it as if I should have a production crew, which was like, now that I look back on it, I'm like, I don't, I don't think I needed the tech time, like the call like the call times, the sheets, the, all that stuff. Like I was so organized because I was like, yeah, this, this is like, it needs to be as good as the people you were working for. Now I'm hearing a lot of volunteer hours. Is that correct? Like you're not playing soccer anymore. Mm-mm. Like a, like a normal child. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, like I said, this started when I was in sixth grade. Uh, I volunteered. It was my life. It, you know, when my family fell apart, the church became my life. And the other f- interesting part about it is, I kind of call it the Lost Boys. There was a bunch of like other kids around my age and we all joined the tech team at the same time. And we kind of developed this crew where like we had people volunteer in the main service and then we would staff the high the high school age and the junior high and all the way down to elementary. And so like all of us started volunteering in the production team at the same time. There was probably like, 
I don't know, 10 of us. Some of us were, some of them were from massive families. Like one, a couple of the kids were from like a family that had like 15 kids. Um, Holy. Yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) And so there were some other families that were a lot of homeschool kids as well. But I was the one kid who wasn't homeschooled. I went to public school. Another kid, uh, his mom lived down the street and wasn't from the best family. But I think he gravitated to the production team as well because it gave us um, a sense of belonging and a purpose, I guess, to be a part of the team. And we kind of had a tech mother who kind of took care of us and and uh, really helped us kind of uh, hone who we were as human beings and learn how to integrate within the church and that type of stuff. So oh, that's like really lovely. Like, yeah. I think that's the vision that we would kind of like all these kids who are like, I need I need to find like somewhere where I can contribute and I can be part of something. And otherwise, you're just sort of a kid who feels a little bit lost, like. Like you said, having a mother who was queer, that had to be very different in yeah. a time when that was like, like good for your mom for figuring that out, but also like this super hard. And, and then there you are, like, what do you do? And you're already part of church and your dad's a six service guy. So you're, you're locked in. Yep. So it's lovely to think that you like found the, I mean, you called it the lost boys or the misfit toys, you know, yeah. you found mm-hmm. the kids who needed it and how lovely, like almost like a youth group within a huge church. I mean, it really was like, I think the person in charge of production at the time was someone who worked in Hollywood for a little bit of time. So he brought kind of those things in. I think our worship pastor at the time was from a band, an obscure band back in the day called the Altar Boys. So they were like a punk band. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I've heard of them. Yeah. yeah. So like, so like we had that going and he had, he'd like developed this whole like rock and roll worship that wasn't like your old school worship. And so like, it was kind of leading the edge there. And around the time when I joined, we were in a like multi-purpose room where there was like, they would have 800 it could seat 800 people a service. So imagine six services on a weekend. And they were in the middle of constructing a whole 2000 seat auditorium. And so like I was in the middle of kind of when that opened and when they commissioned that. And this was a time in the 90s and late or early 2000s where we had concerts. We had all the Christian rock bands come through there. Oh. We had like the dirt bikers come out in the parking lot. And so like me as a production kid, I was involved in all of this and I got to learn and play with all the technology. And, you know, as a, as a six year old all the way up into, you know, my teenage years, I'm sitting there like pushing buttons and learning how to make all the stuff work while also being a part of all these kids and all these other people, a part of the tech team. And I would bring people in because I was like, I was always the person who's like, I could see the kids off on the side and I'm like, hey, come join us. Come have fun with us, learn production and be part of the team and you'll get to know people. And so I was a very good recruiter <laughs> to get people onto the tech team as well. And I think that's amazing because you help them find belonging and meaning and I, I just, it's, I don't know if you're feeling this way, Justin, but I'm just like reminiscing about like the Christian mm-hmm. skateboarders, like all the stuff that we just did. Like we just, yeah, we just did like, it guys. And, and it's like, I just felt like I remember times in youth group and things like you're kind of just making up jobs for kids to do, yeah. Oh, like, so, yeah. you know, for, to like feel belonging and, and not making them up like, you know, it's busy work, but just like, what can I do to help? these you know students be involved and feel like they're a part of something important and you know because yeah like home situations sometimes aren't great you know and so like yeah i i had kids that would show up to like remodel stuff i'm like all right um we're kind of at a danger we're doing dangerous stuff now but you can stand over here and hand me hammers and nails and stuff and like you know and and it, it sounds like I'm not really framing it very well, but I think there is there is a, a beauty and I think something good and like really trying to find ways to help, you know, the island of misfit toys work and right. to make it feel like I seem like it's a fun place. I, you know, I I never had the cool youth group 
like my i mean i mean my my aesthetic i'm wearing a dungeons and dragons t-shirt right now so like it's <laughs> oh, just, just let's just be honest the people i attracted you know we're, we're not we're not the fellowship of christian athletes um, <laughs> oh I'll just say that. yeah no i was more the fca jam that was more my yeah, so but mine were but, like the but, cool punk rock kids but it was it was a delight because you know helping helping kids feel and students and even young adults feel like you know there is a place for me is that is an important thing and even long after i've deconstructed and and seen problematic things i remember when i was a kid you know my parents were divorced in the 90s when and i went to a christian school like a private christian school so it was like i was one of like two kids that had divorced parents you know and that was very isolating but you know i had i had church and i had a youth pastor that you know talked about you know me being a leader and stuff and so i think i think yeah those are those are important experiences for me even if some other things i've shed since then i'm still very grateful that i that someone you know saw the potential in me right and uh, i think it's like this i didn't yeah it's this thing too of like oh i like i never would have thought of myself as a leader i don't think um had i not started working at a christian summer camp and someone saying like have you thought about being a, one of our counselors or, and I, you know, I, I can't imagine myself not as a leader anymore. That's all I know myself as. And like, Kyle, you're getting to play with like technology because you're in California. So yes. you're getting to like, you're on the front line. Like even kids who are like in like production classes in high schools for the performing arts yeah. aren't getting to play with the stuff. You're like going into college already having played with the yeah. Big yeah, that was always funny because I went to film school and I was like, oh, yeah, I already know half of this stuff. Like, I already know production. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah. So I was kind of like, I was, it gave me a heads up when I was in production to, you know, work with that. And I ended up using that to be in leadership at my film school and worked through the video cage and all kind of stuff. So it, it was it was a really great time. And I remember just, you know, that was my way of surviving and making it through my teenage years and like i said there was great stuff with that as well but funny enough you were all talking about like you know youth group and stuff like that it was funny because i was part of the production team and we were totally separate from the youth group like actually we would we would work with the youth group but i hated youth group i hate it with passion okay. and i look back now and so you know i'm looking like at the theological bents of the church as that grew up in uh, calvary chapel then we went to non-denominational kind of slightly baptist and then I realized my uh, my youth group teacher uh, pastors were uh, very reformed, and so I remember like a lot of the times there's like they they had a huge reform bent. Like one time they like burnt all of our CDs, and I was like, this is stupid. And around that same time, like I fell into like Christian hardcore metal, and so that's where like I, I was just in, gonna say, yes, yeah, I was in the <laughs> underground. So I was like, this is stupid. I'm not. Yeah, I've I've already listened to good music and. I remember like people getting mad at me for my devil music that I was listening to because it screams and all that stuff. I'm like, no, it's passionate. It's got. I just thought of you because I drove uh, on uh, Harbor Boulevard, which is nearest, yeah. under oaths coming, and I'm like, yeah. okay, yep. okay, flashback. Nice. Yeah, that was like I remember the boys who listened to Under Oath. Those were my, those were my like, those are my kids. Those are the like people I wanted to hang out with. Was you know the metal bands and like I didn't even understand the bird. I, I loved because my brother at one point took took it earnestly and wanted to give away all his secular music. And so mm -hmm. I got a bunch of CDs. He, and then like a week later, he was like, give me back my Sarah McLaughlin. Um, <laughs> I love, I love that he gave them to you. It's like, no, we're not going to burn these and like yeah. use your no. bonfire. Look, I'm going here's to Here's the thing about my brother my is he is, he's an engineer. The man is practical. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> you know, he's never gonna, <laughs> I wouldn't call him a risk taker. I mean, he is in some ways, but uh, he definitely like plays the odds, <laughs> you know? That's really funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you spent a lot of time, like not with that youth group, kind of hanging out more, doing that sort of stuff, and then went to college for film school. So you went to a 
secular college. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. Well, and that's the whole thing is like, I grew up in public school my whole life. And so like, I remember hating it. I think I, I got so frustrated playing the game in, in, a, in public school because uh, you know, I had like certain classes where like we were in home ec and we we're watching movies. I'm like, this is dumb. Why am I sitting here wasting my time when I should be learning how to do home ec stuff and I'm watching a dang movie? Like, this is a waste of my time. So like, I, I was mm-hmm. like, I barely made it through high school. I had like literally pastors would say, you can't work here at the church unless you get your grades up. Like that was, I was that kid. <laughs> That's so hard for me to imagine because our conversations are so nerdy. <laughs> like it's hard for me to imagine you being like the kid who's barely making it through school. Oh yeah, I hated school. Uh, it was it was the bane yeah. of my existence. And I was like, I literally I remember as a kid, and I see even still sometimes I say that I'm like everything else in my life is great, but I just have bad grades, and somehow I'm a bad person. Why? Like why does that one thing mar- matter for me? And that was really frustrating for me growing up. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that yeah, you like I, I recognize like that. Because now you're a parent, Kyle. So just like remember the words you just said. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've, She's a great person, even if she doesn't have good grades. Uh-huh. 100%. So, <laughs> so yeah, continuing on, uh, I went to uh, film school. And I remember having one of the executive pastor's wives grab me and say, now, don't you go down there and become liberal and lose your faith and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, whatever. Like, this is stupid. Like, I, I'm going, I even remember saying back in time, I'm like, Maybe I'm going there because I'm a strong enough Christian that'll be good for me. Like, I'm going to bring the love of God to those people down here in this film school. And I never subscribed to this bullshit that people would always like demonize the film industry or even any like creative. Like, that was part of my whole journey in production is battling am I creative or not and trying to figure out how to be creative in production. And it's like we were always trying to push the bounds and like what we could do for Christmas services, Easter services, and how could be even more creative. And that was, and now looking back, I realize it's really hard being creative in the church. <laughs> it really is. And it, and it's also like hard to be, there's a church right by us and Kyle, you're going to know what I'm talking about that like every, they do a series and they always put out a sign and the sign is always like transformers, but it's like not, it'll be like the robots, but it'd be like Jesus or like they put out like all these things. And it's like, it's just like a christian version of a creativity that someone else has already done yes and so i think that's like it's the whole thing of like we're not of the world but also like let's try to do something like they're doing yeah Yeah, those people are and we got to bring them in because yeah so we're gonna bring them in with this like cheaper weirder version of their thing like that's like i mean because you know it's fake like i'm on netflix and like there's like transformers and then there's like morpher bots you know, or whatever. <laughs> and you're like, Morphobots is not Transformers. It'll, like, probably, be called, everyone like, is, it'll probably be everyone called Transformers. <laughs> yeah, Transformers yeah, yeah. or Transfigurationing. Yeah. Or something. yeah. <laughs> like, it's not good. It's not good, guys. No. And Spiritually like, form. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah, it's, it's like, creativity within a certain. But I think, and I had this conversation actually with um, Scott Erickson, which is like, I think it was a painter and artist. And I think for many of us theater kids, those of us who are creative, and I would argue you're incredibly creative. I think that we tried to find the quote unquote acceptable place to be creative. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like Hmm. Jess and I've talked about this before. Like we're really captivating speakers, quote unquote. So like, where can we do that acceptably? Well, we can do that at church in a way that's for the Lord. So like, where can you be creative? Okay. You can be, and then, you're creative in the church and that's acceptable. But the moment you start talking about wanting to do film, they're like, well, be careful. Yeah. Careful though there, but also bring back all of your knowledge here. We're going to pay you less. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
yeah. in the world. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's part of the story, too, is why I'm not part of the church anymore. And we can talk to that. I want to bring one part back, though, real quick. Like, my yeah, whole, yeah. the whole entire time I was in production, I was always the person trying to push the boundary of, like, let's tell better stories. Because I hated, like, I, I always, I kind of said this thing is, like, uh, I hate the Christian humor because it's like, it's like, you, it's so cheesy. You can laugh it off if it's bad, but you can laugh it off if it's good. And it never actually moved people because it's like, oh, ha, 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 that was bad. Oh, ha, ha, that was good. But it's like, mm -hmm. we were never telling real stories. And, and I don't know if you can tell by now, but like, I'm a very emotional person. So like, I'm a male in the church from a broken family. And I'm not very, like, people saw me as more emotional and probably, I even still, I still fight this where people don't, can't trust me because they think that I'm going to react uh, out of bounds and out of control. But I have had to learn how to be very logical to tell, to work with logical people, especially in production and pastors, that even though I'm very emotional, I can still play the logical game to get to the point of that kind of stuff. So that was a lot of how I had to learn how to survive in the church in that type of world. But I was always the one saying, like, why can't we tell better stories? Why can't we tell better biblical stories that actually gets to the depth of like the, the deep, deep, you know, like human emotion, not like skimming the surface. And I think that's why I stayed yeah. in the metal, metal and hardcore music because it was so passionate. Like they were the only ones talking about suicide and and like mm. death and that kind of stuff. While all these other Christian worship, I still hate worship music. <laughs> all the other worship music is just like, oh, praise God! I'm like, oh, fuck that shit! Like, what if I don't want to praise God today? Like, it's terrible. Like, I just want to sit in my yeah. misery for a little bit and be okay. You know, like why can't we talk about that and normalize that? I was always that way as a kid and had to find ways to like balance that while I was in the middle of all that stuff. Yeah, I. I think so many of our creative people are that way, right? Like, let's, I mean, that's Enneagram 4. Like, that's the whole, like, all right, Enneagram 4 is, you know, like, Sufjan Stevens released a song the other day, and Mason Menango was like, all right, Enneagram 4 is your boy just released something. I'm sure you're <laughs> celebrating. And I was like, oh, I'm not a 4, but I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will sit in the dark and listen to this on repeat. Thanks for asking. Yes. <laughs> um, is that like, and I think it is because we long for like better stories. We want to feel something. Yeah. And I think what has happened in the church is that people wanted to help you feel something, right? Because you and I have talked before about this emotional manipulation that we know how to do with lighting, sound, yeah, and all that kind of stuff. It's like it came from a good place. Yes. And then it became manipulative. Yeah. So it like came to a good place, like let's tap into emotions. And then it became like, how can we use people's emotions to get them to a place that we, we want them to go versus... Mm -hmm. Let's let, let them tap into the authentic thing that's happening inside. Well, and the funny part is everyone always talks about how like the lighting, sound and video is all there to manipulate people. And and to some degree, yeah, it is. And I can get that. To me, it was an art form. And I used my emotions to yeah. like read the room. And I would like I would use the lights to uh, to work together with the music to hit the highs and to bring the lows. So you would feel mm -hmm. it with even just the lights in the room. Uh, and so when people say, oh, it's just there to manipulate, it's like yes and no, because oh. Be, me being in production and you guys knowing as being pastors, we're copying the other churches just trying to figure out what to, to do because it's like we're so exhausted just trying to make the next service happen. Like, I, I think mm -hmm. like I was always looking at Saddleback and Church on the Move and all kinds of other churches that had better production than what we did. And we were just trying to copy. We weren't like we didn't know how to actually like let's do something. I don't know better. So like the, the, the intentions were never to manipulate. It was more of like, let's just make this better. And I think part of the culture i think it can be turned into bad if that makes sense i don't i didn't explain no, that really absolutely well, but. does yeah it makes sense and i think it's it the art and the church has been an interesting thing i mean setting aside the fact that like medieval artists probably weren't allowed to create anything other than christian art but let's yeah. just 
for the sake of argument, let's set that aside for the moment. Like, like churches were supposed to be places of transcendence and supposed to be places of cutting edge artistry. And the best artists did all of their work in churches, you know, and then like the Protestant, you know, like, let's just have a square box because God can use that too. Like, I feel like that's infected a lot of the like the way that we view um, production and the way that we view even like good speaking. Yep. Like, I mean, Sarah and I know and anyone that's done public speaking knows like you are. I mean, to use if we're going to use the same rubric, the pastor speaking is just as manipulative as the Absolutely. lighting, just yeah. as manipulative as the music. So if we're going to call one of those manipulation, then every every way that art is displayed ever, whether it's voice, visual, music, is manipulation. And let's right. just be okay with it because yes. we are trying to move people to a point. You know, it's like, yeah, like yeah, we could sit in a pole barn and do nothing, <laughs> and maybe <laughs> something would happen. Night you know, or yeah, Quaker or whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, and, and that's there, there's a, there's a time and a place for that, but it's just, it's odd how that stuff gets like, you can be good at sound or good at design to a point. And then if you're too good, it's like, oh, you're being <laughs> manipulative. Well, and I like what you brought into that is like, it's, if it's, if we're going to say that same rubric to lighting and sound and video that we can say the same to the pastors. And I think that was never explained to other places. And so like, that was always like, they always, blame production but they don't blame the other part as well it's like oh mm. we listen listen <laughs> like justin and i went and heard a fantastic speaker i would not call her manipulative we were at a conference and we heard this woman speak and then we found out she was a homiletics professor but she mm. was speaking both of us looked at each other and we're like oh she's doing it like her she's, rhythm yeah. She knew how to like, and then it'd be perfectly placed. Like, I can't even describe to you other than when you're watching yes. a master and you yourself have done a craft, you're like, oh, she's like, she's got everyone in the room. I'm bought in. We're all in. We're all in mm -hmm. this car together. And I am on this ride. She's amazing. Yeah. It's like, I know what she's doing and I, I am enjoying it. Like, I want I'm enjoying... every bit of this. She was yeah. so good. So good. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and I think yeah. that's like the, the, I don't think it's hard to, I, I understand why people feel manipulated. I get why like I react. I yes. don't like going into these spaces because it feels like it's trying to mimic going to a Taylor Swift concert. Uh-huh. 100%. Or like, Because you they know, know that, yeah, mm -hmm. they know people are having an emotional experience. They're trying to connect to a deep inner knowing. And so they're trying to think like, where in the world are we seeing people have experiences? Yeah. And how can we like tap into that instead of like, which I think is beautiful in a lot of ways. And there's a lot to be critiqued around that. Um, like design around that is like interesting as well. But again, it gets to that point of like, but it's not Taylor Swift. Well, and it goes back to what you said earlier is we, we're copying culture. And so we are like not of this world, but we're copying it. And so it's like, why are we copying this world? Why are we not making better art? And that's why I always, always, and never, the, the, all the disses, um, this disassociate is that uh, no cognitive dissonance all the cognitive dissonance i realize now i'm like oh I w my gut was telling me the entire time what i was trying to push for it was like we should have been doing but it's like we're trying to copy the world but we also don't do it well enough and so people just laugh at us and it's like why can't we be better than the world and so that's why it, like this never made sense to me and uh that's where it was exciting yeah. going to film school and learning like you know like even just uh them talking in film school they said films aren't leading culture we're responding to what culture is wanting mm. and so it's like when you're seeing all this violence that's what culture is asking for and the films people are writing films responding to that and people are bringing that in so it's like 
there's a weird little bit there where people like to demonize a lot of that stuff. But also, I think like if you look at it as a commentary on what culture is moving towards and moving into, then you can suddenly like have so much more wisdom and, and understanding and what's coming down the pike and even knowing how to interact with people day to day. Does that make sense? You know, it's interesting because there's been two shows that have really touched people in the last, well, there's been a lot, but there's two shows that like in particular, I've never really been part of fandoms. It's just never, except maybe my Jesus time. I don't know. But there are two that I would say like Schitt's Creek and um, also Ted Lasso, right? Two Ted Lasso, shows. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Two shows that like really are interesting because I, I agree with you. They are talking about what's happening in culture, but they also chose to create a few, like a, a, a image or a vision of what could be better. So it's like you take what is, and then you suggest, so like I, I listened to an uh, interview with Dan Levy and he was talking about how in Schitt's Creek, they were just going to assume that him being queer wasn't a problem in a small town. And like, it's like this funny little joke that the rest of us on the other side of the, um, the screen are like, when is someone going to react to this? And nobody does. And it is this beautiful thing that you stop noticing. And then it, like it has bled into real life where a lot mm -hmm. of people are saying, when you use the wine example, there's a wine example in it where he's trying to explain his sexuality. Like he said, he wasn't ready for all of the kids saying, I use that to explain to my parents my sexuality. <laughs> and yeah. like it helped people. And I think that's what you're asking for is like, how can we take something that is and also suggest something that could be? Yeah. Is that I mean, fair? And yeah, exactly. Sorry, I lost my train. Oh, yeah, I remember like, so part of my deconstruction journey is uh, I fell into Rob Bell. You know, I remember growing up and everyone's like, oh, cancel Rob Bell. And so I fell into that. Like, I would like, oh, I kind of want to read his, and people are like, oh, be careful. Don't, don't don't read that. You'll go down the slippery slope. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. And so for the longest time, I ignored it. But then I started getting into like his podcasts and the way he tells stories, like he retold stories in the Bible that just blew my mind. I'm like, why have I never heard this in my 30 years of oh, life of like talking about yeah, just talking about a different perspective. Even Jonah, it was about systemic racism, not about just not following God. It's like, why the hell have I never heard that story? Like, that just brings so much more depth and, and like a refresh, refreshing way of thinking about that that is so mm -hmm. like pertinent to today. And so like another thing I wanted to say with the whole Ted Lasso thing is like, there's a time where Ted Lasso let his wife go because he was holding her back. And that just blew me away. That, that devastated me because I'm like, what if actually loving is not suffering and just sitting there staying with someone through the shit, but actually saying, hey, I'm holding you back. You go and find a better way to live and I'll support you from there. And I'm like, whew, that felt like real love to me. And and seeing that story, that was that still moved me and I still think about it all the time. Oh, I think about mm -hmm. the way, yeah, there's so much from that, right? And like, for me, it hit me when I was just going through the right time. Like I just left ministry. I I wanted to be inspired and the, the image of me like standing in front of the TV, crying and laughing, like standing watching a TV show was bizarre. And, and you know, I can't finish the last season because I don't want it to come to an end. Yeah. And I know it's coming. And I'm like, like tonight, I'll probably watch one episode. Like I just... I'm very slowly working my way through the last season. <laughs> I am. Like it just, it's like, I don't want my friends to leave me. And yeah. I think that's kind of what you're talking about, that value of storytelling that is beyond and it takes you to a different moment and that's not manipulative it's yeah. invitational and i would say that's the that's the difference is like i'm inviting you i'm, I'm setting this like quote the or pardon the like but i'm setting this i'm setting the stage literally for for something and then um how you respond is not necessarily manipulation but it is an invitation and i think maybe thinking of it that way so you were in mm -hmm. you were in it 
mm-hmm. for a long time. Very long time. And the weird thing of being production is I sit there and hear the pastor speak for four services a weekend over and over and over. And so like, I, sorry, pastors, but I, I could hear every single incongruity and, and just see if you actually were living what you're saying. So I like, I learned a lot and I realized later on, I never thought I was really theologically astute, but actually like I had a friend who was going to Fuller Seminary and got his MDiv and I, he told me some of the stuff he was learning. I'm like, oh, I can track. Okay, maybe I learned a lot of theology from listening to pastors for 15 years. <laughs> yeah, and then you listen to me for a while, so I don't know how you put up with that. Um, <laughs> I honestly, every week I'd be like, I'm in a room full of ex-professionals. So like, I'm going to say every word wrong and I'm just going to let you guys know this is not going to be a flawless experience for you. And for us, us being like a terrible sound, terrible lighting, we got better. But it was good because I think a lot of people were like, I need to, for a minute, be in the crap. I need it to be like just an authentic like moment of like, will we make it to next week? Who knows? It wasn't polished. And that was refreshing, I think, because like I got so burnt out with the weekend, weekend, have an out to yourself. The like, oh, this mm-hmm. was bad. Oh, that was good. And like, this needs to be better. And it's like, it's just like, it's a, it's a capitalistic train that's just exhausting. Ooh. And I'm like. Like, I think after working Saddleback, the last thing, working at Saddleback, that really burnt me out. It really did. And I kind of call Saddleback a deconstruction sure. facility because there's there was like, again, so the, the whole Lost Boys, like there was a group of us who were ex-Saddleback tech people who, funny enough, during pandemic, we all worked at Mariners because uh, Saddleback didn't want to hire us back anymore. But Mariners was like, I don't care. And, you know, we'll contract you. But we kept it going while we're all deconstructing and like one foot in the church anymore. And. We, we, you know, mm-hmm. like we were all ex, you know, Christians now because we don't want to work a saddleback after how it chomped us out and just working at Mariners, keeping them going during pandemic and then moved on after that. <laughs> it is it is funny the like heavy metal to like cargo short Hawaiian shirt pipeline, you know, yeah. like there is there is a definite <laughs> pipeline here yes. that like and and then, and then out yes but it's I, I i i see the trajectory here there are two there were two paths for you to choose and you chose yes. the correct one yes, yes. i was never going to be that like I, I in my heart i was like i can never be an asshole like that like i just can't like it just doesn't sit right with me mm-hmm. <laughs> well i want to hear a little bit about so you you did work at saddleback and i remember one of the things that you had and i think it was at saddleback you had like a trans volunteer yes and and I remember you saying, I stick around to protect and yeah. to make space for. Mm. And it was really hard for you. Yeah. yeah. You want to tell a little bit about that? Because that was a big part of your. Yeah. So I think uh, when before I went to Saddleback, I was I worked back at my home church. I, I uh, moved away from my home church, went to the Bay Area of California, moved back down to my home church. And I kind of returned with the perfect family, quote unquote, in their eyes to be accepted as a part of, you know, the the good enough to be a part of the pastors. I had the wife, uh, I had the the education, I had the degree and I had, you know, I came back to be an assistant production director, which I wanted to be full-time there forever and realized how quickly that didn't mean crap to anyone. And I was still out on the edge because of whatever reason. And also seeing how that church was very uh, racist and how they were trying to get quote unquote black pastor. It was bad. Uh. Yeah. So then I went to Saddleback because I was like, I need out. I, I literally had panic attacks. And that's kind of where like my whole health kind of showed me like, oh, no, you need to get out. And my body told me before I realized. So I went mm-hmm. to Saddleback, which is funny. <laughs> but I ended up at one of their <laughs> a uh, nice feeling place. <laughs> I went to well, here's the funny part, though, too. I went to one of their satellite campuses, the biggest satellite campus. And I became a part of that staff as a, a production director. Uh, that was the most healing experience I've had so far working at a church. 
because I was able to mm. be myself and they were talking the good stuff. So I, I even just looked today before this um, meeting and I said the good stuff there is they actually cared about new people. They, they, they saw them, they didn't alienate them. They brought them on and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the pastor at the time was really great. We talked about the hard stuff. He learned how to lead meetings really well. He didn't waste it on just BS. He would lead, but also allow us to speak in. And multiple times we talked on staff, how do we deal with the trans people of the, the community and, and how do we, we don't want to kick him out, but we want him to stay in. And so we were asking the tough questions and working through that stuff instead of avoiding them and just leaving that. But I always had issues with how they handled uh, homes, uh, homeless people. All the churches I worked at, I realized being a production person, I was there late at night all the time. Mm-hmm. I would always deal with the homeless people because no one else was there. And I never had the heart to just be like, goodbye. Like I was like, no, let's do what we can to help you out. And that always meant a lot to me. So being a part of uh, that Saddleback staff, we had a couple of volunteers. One was living with uh, his uh, girlfriend, and that was a big no-no to be on staff, on a, on a leadership and volunteer. You couldn't do that. And so we literally had to kick him off. And I was like, this is a great volunteer. And I had to kick him out of the team because mm-hmm. he was cohabitating with his girlfriend. We're in fucking Orange County. Yeah. We're in Orange County, and you, we don't even get paid enough to, to, to have one bedroom alone. Like, why are we going to kick him out if he's just trying to survive? That kind of set me off. And then on top of that, we had a, a volunteer who joined the team and, and they wanted to learn how to take photos of the weekend. So like we had a, pr- a process of having them take photos and practice their photography, but also give it so we had uh, fresh content to put on social medias and other stuff like that. And they, they felt comfortable enough to tell me that they were, you know, were transgender. And I said, well, as long as I'm here, you're not getting kicked off this team and I'll make sure you're supported and part of this team the entire time. And we still have a good relationship now because of that. And I made sure like, I want to make sure you're safe here because that matters to me. But then, you know, I had to move on after that because I was like, <laughs> they, they hired me at the main campus to take care of some other stuff. And I did that for, uh, personal reasons because I wanted to learn more production and get access to some gear that I wouldn't have access to normally. <laughs> and that actually helped me on my mm-hmm. um, freelance career after that. So, but yeah, that was a, that was a big moment uh, making sure that the transgender volunteer was, was a part of us. And it really, I think helped them a lot as well. Yeah. I think that's the, the beauty of the story. And I think so many people stay in situations that aren't that great uh, to do so. But I also think there is something that we both know the guy who does arts for Saddleback and he is the most earnest, incredible human who asks tough questions and he's an amazing artist. And I think they don't know what to do with them. So they're like, well, just make them the head of the art stuff. Yeah. And so he does incredible stuff. Man, but he would come to my little church on Sundays. <laughs> like it was just sort of, we had like the, like the wing of people who are like, don't tell my boss I'm here. Okay. <laughs> like so many people. Mm-hmm. But there was that beauty of like, we get to do the cool stuff because there's so much stuff here. So once you finally, like you start doing freelance and then kind of like, where are you now? Like kind of give us a like update, like how clearly you were, because you were like getting to be on, you know, the production crew at Saddleback. I would think in your field is like, because that's where all the conferences happen, right? Like all the conferences happen at Mariner's. Saddleback, we're like, we're flying in from all over the country to see that production. So you're yeah. on that team and you're like, no, thank you. Yeah. 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 Going to Saddleback was kind of like, I basically hit the Super Bowl of, of churches. I, I ascended to mm-hmm. the top. Uh, I became an assistant production director and a lighting director at Saddleback. I wasn't at the main campus, but you know, all this, it doesn't matter either way. So that was, that was exciting. But at the same time, I think I actually had a dream where I like 
in my dream is so, so vivid still. I remember like something in my dream saying your job at a church is, is, is going to fall apart. Church is going to fall apart. You're not going to be able to be sustainable working as a production director at churches anymore. And that was enough emotionally to tell me like, I need to find a different path. I don't know what you want to call it. I don't know what, I don't want to name it anymore. I don't want to say it was God. I don't want to say it was spirit. I just, it had a dream and it definitely moved me enough to say, I need to find a different uh, career trajectory. And so part of that was moving down to Southern California, uh, Orange County to work at Saddleback to slowly make moves to get out. And so I was able to actually freelance and that was really great, even though it was, it was tough freelancing uh, during pandemic and supporting churches while I didn't want to be a part of the churches at all, especially with how they handle pandemic. I mean, I think I got COVID at one church because they were in the middle of pandemic, all wearing no masks. And I was the only one in there wearing masks because I had to create sound. And like, that was, that was super frustrating. It's like, you can't just care about your, your, you know, people around you that you can't even wear a fucking mask and you have to like be so about this that you can't <laughs> care about the people around you. So all of those stuff yeah. kind of led me to leaving church completely. And now I'm working production. I actually work at Disneyland now as a stage tech technician there. And I think for the That's first great. time in my life, I'm proud of what I'm the show I'm part of. Uh, I got to be a part of Fantasmic and I'm, I'm excited for that. Like everyone knows that show. And I, I, I loved what I did in the churches, but I was never, I never felt like I could show people who weren't Christian and say, Hey, look at what we did. And like, Oh, that's cool. And so like now it's like kind of come full, come full circle that I'm uh, very proud of the shows that I'm a part of. Wow. That's, that's really, so that's rad. <laughs> Cause I think that's like, you're a, you're an includer. Like yes. that's it's something I've known about you from the moment I met you, you're an includer. And so you want people to be part of the things that you're creating. So to have something you can be like this, I don't have to give like 17 disclaimers. Yes. This is fantastic. You're going to have an emotional mm. experience. <laughs> And yeah, that's gotta, that's gotta feel so great to like, cause it's like that I'm a Christian, but here's all the ways I'm not like what you're thinking yeah, right now. Yeah. Whereas I'm imagining your job now is like, I work at Disneyland mm -hmm. and people are like, I, or I'm in yeah. production at Disney. Like, like, like I have, hell yeah. like, it's like, <laughs> you know, like both, I don't know if you saw both of us were like, <laughs> like our whole bodies but like, it's delight yeah it's like delight. you know what i mean it is and and the funny part too with life is like that it's delight and i'm so excited but also i see the inside of the corporation i'm like oh shit yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's yeah. a both and it's it's you know like it's it's living in the tension and realizing that but yeah no i'm i'm ecstatic like i i'm able to bring my daughter to the parks and she gets to see the show i can like we got to do a uh, life uh uh lifetime dream of my wife of bringing her kid her, her parents to the park like they haven't been in the park for 50 or 60 years and because i worked there they were able to experience that and they were blown away and even my mom i got to bring her back to the park and bring her in and so that's, those are things i never would have really dreamed cool. of having like i even remember being a, sm a small town desert kid and said oh i'll never live in orange county i can never survive uh, survive that i don't have I'd, i'll never be rich enough for that and somehow i'm here it's so crazy <laughs> i just like there's so much about your story that i that i love uh one of the things I love is that this idea of like, yeah, I'm not a smart kid. You read all the time. You're very smart. <laughs> like our conversations are not service conversations. You think through everything. But I love that you haven't let other people's boxes decide who you were. Well, and I put that back to my my strong mom. Like uh, I had a strong female uh, raise me and I love that now. Like even still, like I'm always advocate for all the females around me, like being strong and supporting them. And it's, I'm in, I'm always in a weird situation of like, even now, like at Disney, I'm, I was once a Christian and I know the whole church world. And so I have a lot of church people coming to me, asking me questions. And then I'm also a stage technician. So I can live between the both worlds. And, and you said earlier, include them and say, 
all right, mm-hmm. I was that, and now I'm not. I, I, I kind of say before, like, I was once kind of Republican, now I'm not. And I can see, I have empathy for both sides and realizing where people have come from and where they're going and to be able to, like, talk with them. Like, all my friends always say they love me for the Kyle rants I have because I'll, like, I'll just get so frustrated and I'll just, like, get hit, hit the point right on the head. And people are like, wow, why have I never heard that before? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> well, I just get fired up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, I think that your story is just so inspiring and um, you're an incredible artist. You actually did lighting for me for a video that I, it's still one of my favorite things that somebody created for me. Such a gift, dear friend of mine, made this video about me transforming spaces and you came in and did the lighting and it was bonkers because when you are not someone who has been around a lot of that, I mean, I've been in films before, but I've never been, I've never seen just what goes into the lighting and producing that. And it was so cool. So you are a super creative person. And I think it gives hope for people who are listening. It's fun because we're going to have, Justin doesn't even know this yet, but we are going to have a guy on in a couple of weeks who, who is a, (laughs) he went from being a really well-known pastor to designing actual sets. So he builds things. He is literally like a fabricator now. He builds things. And actually you guys need to meet because he lives here. He's one of my favorite stories and he's, probably listening right now because he just like ran up to me one day and my run group he's like hey i know who you are i listen to your podcast i've not wanted to be weird but i'm well i was like nice to meet you well and then to find out he does something that i'm so interested in fascinated in i think there's just so much hope that you can do your creative arts beyond the church walls and you can still be inclusive and you can still make space for people and you can use all these gifts and talents that you once thought you could only do for this to create meaning for people. Because I would argue a lot of people who are at Disney are having really meaningful experiences. Some are having really shitty experiences, but some are having really meaningful experiences and you get to help create those like magical moments, like your wife and her parents. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was was great. Well, what is one piece of advice if you don't mind giving us just like a little nugget of like one piece of advice of what's been helpful for you in this journey? Because it's been gosh, from being like a hardcore sold out kind of Republican guy to like the like guy who's like, yeah, <laughs> like what would you be like one piece of advice for people who are like kind of where you're at or before? I, yeah, I would, I would say, I think the biggest thing I realized through my whole, whole entire journey is like my gut was right a hundred percent of the time and uh, the culture and everything I was around told me to not listen to that. And I, I would still have that weird, like jump in my side, like that, that feels really weird. Why is that happening? Or why are they saying that? Or why is this the system working this way? That doesn't feel right. My gut was telling me that it was wrong the entire time. And as I've learned to go to counseling and listening to other people who've deconstructed i've learned to listen to myself again and i'm like my gut 100 percent of the time right ask the questions move forward with that stuff like for me like it was the whole journey of like one year i was going to seeds conference uh in tulsa oklahoma at church on the move and somehow we hopped onto the liturgist podcast and there's talking about spiritual uh abusiveness and, I, and that just like set me and my wife were listening to that and i'm like oh shit i think i've experienced all of this and that set the whole journey off and so like listen to liturgists, listen to Science Mike. And then me and Liz, my wife, Liz, got to meet Sarah at one of uh, Science Mike's things. And that kind of blew her away. And and we were like, oh, we get to be a part of this community and learn from all these people and, and seeing how they're rethinking stuff. That that was all part of my journey. And it like was extremely helpful. Like Rob Bell, all the people that the Christians told me not to go to were, <laughs> were great, uh, have, have taught me so much. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I just want to listen to the stories from everyone I can because 
uh, have an open mind, you know, it, it's like, don't be afraid of going somewhere because you're going to fall down a slippery slope. Maybe investigate a little bit because it'll tell you stuff you never knew. I love that. Thank you so much, Kyle, for being on the show. Thank you for being you. I, I miss you. I need to see you and Liz. And what is your daughter's name? Her name is Myla. Myla. <laughs> she's really cute. Um, so she's just like the tiniest little peanut. She's so cute. Yeah. I can't wait to meet her. Yeah. So thank you for being you. Thank you for being part of this community. Uh, you are so appreciated in Discord and just for being yeah a really talented creator and for being willing to yeah put cool stuff like fantastic. <laughs> so thanks for joining us, friends. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're enjoying the conversations you hear on recovery, you can continue the conversation with us and many more incredible people in what's known as the recovery room on discord to access our discord. Please join our Patreon to be a part of this community. You can join for as little as $4 a month, and that gives you access to the community resources as well as it helps us to be able to produce the show. Check it out on patreon.com slash now we know that not everyone is able to financially support the show, but there are so many ways you can support us, including giving us a five-star review wherever you are currently listening and make sure to like and subscribe across all social media. Rev Cover Room is on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and that's our handle. So come find us and let's keep the conversation going. On to some final thoughts and this week's poem. Thanks so much for sticking around for the end, uh, for the quote or poem, uh, uh, this week, I just want to say uh, just one thing, uh, and it's a quote by uh, Parker Palmer, and I think it, it resonated a lot with me as I thought about it for this particular conversation that we had with Kyle. And I just want to just read it for you and uh, just let it, um, I hope that it works on you a bit uh, as it worked on me as I was considering leaving ministry, as I was considering kind of walking away from that and starting a new career and a new path. Uh, this was one that uh, really resonated with me. So here's the quote. Our deepest calling is to grow into our own authentic selfhood, whether or not it conforms to some image of who we ought to be. As we do so, we will not only find the joy that every human being seeks, we will also find our path of authentic service in the world. And I think that's something that gets messed up so much in church spaces is that we have to conform. We have to be this one thing. Uh, and I just want to challenge us as we consider what it means to become our authentic self. And that becoming our authentic self is not a selfish thing but it's something that can actually offer us a path to the ways in which we're going to serve the world. And I hope that you find that this week and every week. Thanks. We'll see you next time.